We've had an amazing last few weeks, of course, Mother's Day last week, honoring our mothers, but on the 12th of March was our five-year anniversary, not only celebrating what God has done in the last five years, getting ready for the next five years to come, and we celebrated that we are in the process of purchasing our very first building here in South Dublin. We've got it. We will get the keys on the 14th of April, this is it, the green shed as we call it, and uh, it has been a fantastic story which I shared, if you missed it, we've got it on YouTube and podcasts, we talk all about it, and uh, you can see the location just right across the road, amazing, you can see it from both sides of the M50 at the end of a cul-de-sac, and inside you'll also see what it um, entails and what it's going to be like, so we uh, I got to meet the architects this week, we're drawing up and designing what it's going to be like, and des- you know the flow and the look and the feel and it's going to be a 12-month process because we want to take our time we want to do it right but what we are hoping and praying that this time next year we will be standing in our very own building worshiping together giving just God thanks and praise and our six-year anniversary so thank you all of you for for praying firstly for being here for being committed and and being here every Sunday we're so grateful to you and it's just exciting to see what God is doing. But today I, am, I want to speak to you on the scripture found in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel is a prophet. And this book was written about him or by him and through him and the prophecies and the words and what was going on in Israel at the time. Ezekiel chapter 37, verses 1 through 14. If you have your Bibles, please open them on your phones. Or of course, the scripture will be on the screen. But this This portion of scripture, and you'll hear it in a moment, is most likely one of the most famous prophecies or or visions given through a prophet in the Bible, but it's also one of the strangest scriptures that you will hear, and God laid it on my heart this week, and I, I got into it. I spent all day Wednesday just studying and reading and reading different translations and commentaries and study Bibles, and I'm telling you, I got so deep into it, I was like, I have not got a clue what to say about this. Like, I just was like, it was like going into, uh, you know, what's that word? movie? Inception. The dream and the dream and the dream. I was like, oh my goodness. Where are we? So then, you know, put that down the next day and sitting down writing. And this just, just came out of me and what I could see in it and what I want to do today is just, this is my passion and love is, is the honor of studying the Word of God and preaching the Word of God is just seeing what, what it means, what it looks like, what it means for each of us. And that's why when you look at God's Word, you can see what did that mean then? Who was He speaking to? What was the context? What was the pretext? What was going on in that situation? But then asking the question, what does it mean for me today? What does it mean for us today? And how can we learn from this? And so that's my hope today, that you hear from the Scripture and hear from the sermon. So verse 1, Ezekiel begins, the hand of the Lord was on me. Other translation says that the power of God was on me. And he brought me out by the Spirit of the Lord and set me in the middle of a valley. It was full of bones. Yeah, he told you, it's going to be a crazy scripture. It was full of bones, a valley full of bones. It was a visionary valley. The the power of the Lord through the Holy Spirit, showing him, revealing him of what was to come. He led me, verse 2, back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very dry. He asked me, Son of man, can these bones live? I said, Sovereign Lord, you alone know. It's a good answer. Only you know, God. Then he said to me, prophesy to the bones. 
It means speak life. Other translations is that it preach or proclaim the word of God. That's what it is to prophesy. To prophesy is not to try and somehow predict the future. To prophesy is to preach and proclaim God's word. Because God says that his word will come to pass. And that when we preach God's word, even in the midst of death, there is life. There is hope. I say to them, he preached, he proclaimed, he prophesied, dry bones. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter you and you will come to life. This is written in Hebrew. The word for breath or that was used for breath is ruach. It means the spirit of God. It sounds like a Gaelic name. It's, it's like this, the spirit of God. And the spirit, in the ruach translated in English can mean breath, wind, or spirit. You see in verses 1 through 14, he uses all three. He's saying he's going to breathe life into you. Through the spirit of God is going to give you life. Verse 6, I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you and cover you with skin. I will put breath, spirit into you and you will come to life. You'll come alive. Then you will know that I am Lord. So I prophesied as I was commanded and as I was prophesying, there was a noise, a rattling sound and the bones came together, bone to bone. I looked and tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them, but there was no breath in them. Picture a skeleton formed with skin around and it's a, it's a dead body. The walking dead in real life. And then he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into these slain, these dead, that they may live. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, move in your people. Breathe life to dead people, dead bodies. Breathe life to the wounded, to the weary, to the lost, to the broken, to the needy. Give life where there is otherwise death. So I prophesied as he commanded me. I proclaimed and preached the word of God. And breath, the spirit of God, entered them. They came to life and stood up on their feet. A vast army, the army of God, united together as one, just as his church is one body, one voice, lifting up the, voice, the name of God. Then he said to me, he tells Ezekiel, verse 11, what the vision means. He says, Son of man, these bones are the people of Israel. They say our bones are dried up and our hope is gone. We are cut off. They were, felt like they were abandoned from God. Therefore prophesy and say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, my people, I'm going to open your graves and bring you up from them. I will bring you back to the land of Israel, to the promised land. Then you, my people, will know that I am the Lord. When I open your graves and bring you up from them, I will put my spirit in you and you will live and I will settle you in your own land. He says, I'm bringing you home. I'm going to restore you, redeem you, revive you. I'm bringing my promise to come to pass. I'm bringing you back to the promised land. Then you will know that I, the Lord, have spoken. I have done it, declares the Lord. Amen. Amen. This picture, this vision, is a picture of revival. A resurrection of life. Reviving, resurrecting 
dry bones to form new life, breathing the Spirit of God in it that we see through resurrection power, revival. The word that I want to speak to you today and what I want to, I felt God say to me for you and just beginning to, to stir in my heart is that revival is here. Revival is here. The Spirit of God is moving. The Spirit of God is at work. And where the Spirit of God is at work, dry bones form together, dead bodies come to life. God is on the move and revival is here. So it's time to rise and come alive. It's time to come alive. It's time to rise up and take hold of resurrection power. It's time to rise up and see the Spirit of God moving and active and living in you. And this is what I felt God say. The church is waiting for the Spirit to break out. But the Spirit is waiting for the church to break out. He's waiting for you to break out. He's waiting for me to break out. To break out of what? To break out of the confines which in which we allow ourselves to live in. To fall into to set a mindset about ourselves, even with the power of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit living active in us. We live within the confines and limitations that says this is the way it is and this is the way it always will be. And God calls us to break out of these confines, to break out of these limitations. says, no, it may be the way it is, but it doesn't have to be the way that it will always be. There is a new day. There is a new way. There is revival afoot. There is revival on its way to, to break out of the limitations and see life with a new lens. A new lens for life. To see life by faith and not by sight. To see what is possible to happen and not what is defined by my past. To see that God is working, He is moving, and for us to cry out, Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Move in me. Revive me. Revive my spirit. Help me to break out of the confines. Help me to break out of my limitations. Help me to, help me to see life, my marriage, my family, my children, my work. Help me, help me to see the world around me. With new eyes to see. Revival is here, but church, he's calling us to rise up. To rise up. Take hold of the resurrection power that is available to which in our grasp. And what I want to share with you, what I want to show you is what revival looks like. Ezekiel 37 is all about the picture of revival. The Lord is giving Ezekiel this word, this prophecy through a vision to speak to the people of Israel. The Israelites have been taken captive by the Babylonians. They've left Egypt, gone into the promised land, formed the nation of Israel, built the city of Jerusalem. But what happens is the Babylonians, the great rulers of the day, have entered in, raided their homes, have taken the people and brought them back into exile. So he's taken them out of the land into Babylon. And here they were suffering the result of abandoning God. Because that's what had happened in the years preceding and building up to this place. And the dry bones that is spoken about in Ezekiel 37 represents the fallen army of God who were never buried, but instead allowed to rot within the valley. And this represents Israel in the years after the fall of Jerusalem. They've been, they've been scattered like dry bones. Scattered in the valley. 
between the people who are in exile in Babylon and the people who have been left behind in Israel. It's as like they have been scattered. And Ezekiel sees symbolized in the resurrection of the bones, he sees the revival of his people. The people of Israel were living dead as dry bones, feeling alone, exhausted, disillusioned, discouraged, impoverished, just like so many of us can be, can be living in the inside but feeling like we're dead on the outside. Just like so many of us can be walking around life and just, you know, engaging with people and living a life but, but feeling like we're the walking dead. Feeling like we've been so dried up we have no more hope as it is if we are cut off as the scripture says. And Israel was as good as dead. But this prophecy is given to, from God to Ezekiel, to the people, to bring new life. You see, revival is here. Revival is upon us. Resurrection life. And this vision, when we look at the context, because it's important when we read scripture, that we go, what's all this dry bones and dead body stuff all about, hey? Well, we ask, well, why was it said? Who was it said to? When was it said? Well, when... It's 580 B.C., 580 years before Christ was born. And so Ezekiel gives this to the exiles, and he prophesies 580 B.C. And what we see happen 40 years later, Persia takes over Babylon. The new king of Persia, he announces to the people, you can begin to go home. And what we see happen is 40 years before this moment happens, God gives them a promise. 40 years before they see the prophecy take form, Ezekiel says to the people, hope is on the horizon. Hope is here. It's to give them strength and belief that this too will pass. What you're going through right now, what you're facing, what you're experiencing, don't worry, his promise will be fulfilled. The circumstance that you feel that is going to define your life and determine your life, it's just a part of your story. It's not the story. He's saying that, that you may feel like you're in exile, you may feel like you're dry bones, dead bodies, but I'm about to bring new life. And the revival is spoken to give them hope in today for what's going to come to pass tomorrow. The, the, the revival is here. Will we see the full fruition of the, of the revival? Maybe not yet, but, but it's here. It's beginning, it's stirring, it's happening. We're beginning to seeing God move and make a decision. What it is, is to prophesy and speak life and speak hope and have strength when all you're experiencing is death all around you. It can be easy to believe when you're experiencing that which you are placed your faith in. That's easy. It's easy to celebrate when all you look around you is the mountaintop that you're standing upon. It's a whole other thing to celebrate when you're in the midst of suffering. It's easy to believe that, yes, I'm a believer, I follow Jesus and everything is going right right now. It's a whole other thing to believe when everything all around you is falling apart. And that is true belief. True belief is to place your faith in that which has not yet come to pass. I'm led by faith and not by sight. 
True belief is to hold on with faith, standing in the face of adversity, declaring that God is in control and he will bring us through. And that's what Ezekiel says in this place. 40 years before the moment that they get to go home, he says, hold on, dear believers, hold on, have faith, revival is here. I was thinking about this, like how it relates for us. And one of the kind of biggest examples that came to mind was just even like, if you could think back six, seven months ago, September, October. I remember exactly what was going on. The conversation of the day in public space, on media, social media was, death is on its way. Do you remember that? Do you remember what, what everybody was saying? This is going to be the worst winter that we have ever gone before. The stories of what was coming out, we're going to have to heat up stadiums and get into stadiums just to huddle together. You know, we're going to have to be close together. There's going to be no moon, money. There's going to be no food. Did you see that they have the shelves are low and all this stuff going on and what's going to happen, the dire circumstances, the experiences. And people, even before they had ex- walked through and experienced it, had already given up hope. I know, I spoke to them. I was one. <laughs> right? The economy is falling apart. This is going to happen. All the things, inflation. Da, 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 da. Do you remember that? Huh? We've got such short-term memories. Even for, I had to remind you of this, that this happened six, seven months ago. Entering, getting ready, electricity bills through the roof, all the different stories coming out, all the different things happening. Here's what we decided to do as a church. We decided to preach a series, Hope for the Future. Because it's easy to preach hope for the future when you're experiencing hope. It's a whole other thing to preach hope for the future when your future looks completely impoverished, destructed, and it's gone away. And we chose to, and we choose to, believe as God's word says that I have plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Well, what does that look like? That looks like this. When everything externally is lost and is falling apart, I hold on to my internal everlasting hope in Jesus Christ. When I even lose everything, if all I have is Christ, then I am to gain. That is true belief. That is true faith. It is to say that even if I face death, I believe in resurrection power. Even if I face death, loss, disappointment, difficulty, certain conditions, certain things happening, thank you, Jesus, if all I have is you, then that's all I need. The world may pass away, but his word will remain. His word will remain. I say this to you today, and as you look at your own life, as you look at what's going on, where is the dry bones in your life? Dried up hope, dried up strength, dried up life, dried up vitality, dried up energy, just filled with exhaustion, just feeling like your spirit is dried up. And what is dead inside you that God wants to revive? He wants to bring to life, bring to new. He wants to see revival in your life, in your heart. He wants to see you standing boldly with your shoulders back, with your head held high. Not because of what's around you, because of what's inside you. Revival on the inside. We look back in the chapters, books previous to this prophecy that's given, and one, one book in particular is Deuteronomy. 
Deuteronomy, which means the second book of law. It's the fifth book of the Bible. And so if you read it, it's a dense read. It's a difficult read. I'm not going to lie. And um, it, it is God speaking to Moses. He's giving him the law, the different commands, and what ways he wants different things done. But also within it, he talks about what's to come to pass. And what's interesting is many hundreds of years before even this has come to pass in Ezekiel chapter 37, and the people are taken from Israel, God says that they will be brought into exile. But he says, fear not. I will restore you as a nation. And he says, I will bring you into the land of the living. But here we are. Even with God's word, even with his promise, they've forgotten his promise. They fail to remember his promise. They fail to believe that with God, all things are possible. That no matter what the outlook is, my hope and my trust is in the Lord. You see, the Israelites, they saw themselves as dead. They had been dead for so long, they forgot what life looked like. You ever, you ever be sick, right? You know when you're sick and you forget what it's like to be well? You ever had that experience? You know, you, you just forget what it's like. When you're well, you look at sick people as weak. You're like, what's wrong with you, man? Like, just get over it. You know, take a lozenge. I don't know, take an eye... Take an ibuprofen, nerf, and just, just get over it. You'll be fine. But when you're sick, you forget what it's like to be well. That's men in particular. We struggle with this. It's a, it's a disease that's run rampant for many, many years. Some people call it the man flu. We like to call it the worst thing that can ever happen to a man. And when you're in that place, you, you, you don't know what it's like to feel well. You don't know what it's like. You forget. Well, it's like you, you, you can... You view your life, you imagine your life, you, 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 you can't even imagine what can come to pass. And God says to the Israelites through Ezekiel, I'm about to do what you couldn't imagine possible. I'm about to do what you couldn't imagine possible. What I've felt in my spirit is for you, God is about to do what you couldn't imagine possible. He's about to do what you couldn't imagine possible. Why? Because the Spirit of God is moving. Revival is here. He's about to do in you, in your family, in your life, in your mind, in your marriage, in your home, whatever it is that you have the greatest need for, and you're on your knees, and you're crying out for God to move, to, to God, would you, would you make a way? And God says, I'm about to do what you couldn't imagine possible. But what he calls us to do is to believe before it's come to pass. To believe. i hold on to his promise. And here, here's, here's what is important as I say this. His word will come to pass, not your word. So we need to hear what his promises are. We need to read what his word is. And if his promises that we hear don't line up with his promises in the word, well, then the two are not connecting. You see, you hear what I'm saying? Sean's will will not happen. The Lord's will will. His promise will come to pass, but he is calling us, church, to believe. To stand in the gap in the valley of dry bones. Looking back on what has been. Looking forward on what can be. And standing in the place and saying, it will be done. Saying that revival is here. You know, everybody loves at the conclusion of the story, 
to ask the question, how did it happen? You know, how did that story happen? How did you get to where you are? You know what people don't enjoy? Being a part of the story. Being in the middle of the story and say, well, let me actually tell you what it was really like. Everybody loves to start, to head off to the destination, and then to have the moment in which they arrive. In the middle of travel is one of the worst things, places you can be. In the middle of that place, in the valley, in the depths of wondering, is what I'm believing actually true? And Ezekiel here, he begins to understand how these bones, and therefore the nation of Israel, that they symbolize, can come back to life. Just like I believe our, our nation of, Israel, of, of Ireland, our nation, this land, can experience a spiritual renaissance, a fresh revival, a renewal of the Spirit, a bold belief in God. But let me tell you, it begins here. It begins with us. And the Lord gives Ezekiel the two requirements for revival. Two requirements for revival. If you've been in the church long enough, you'll hear the word revival said many times. And certain people have certain pictures of what revival looks like. That's the confines in which we allow ourselves to fall in. That's revival. Revival is not confined to a place. It's released to a people. Revival is a spirit of God moving and at work within us. And there's two requirements for revival. It may happen in all different ways, in all different spaces, in all different places, at all different times. And there's no one or the other, but there's two requirements for revival. Here's the first one is the word of God. The word of God. It must be evident. The word of God is to prophesy, to proclaim or preach the life-changing word and live according to the word. Secondly is the spirit of God. To bring forth the life-giving breath of God to cause dead bodies to come to life. The word of God brings form to dry bones. The Spirit of God brings life to dead bodies. And we need both. We need the Word of God and the Spirit of God. And the dry bones and the dead bodies here represents the spiritually dead. That, that not knowing the Word of God and not ever experiencing the Spirit of God will, will cause us to be spiritually dead. And we need both in our lives. And why do I say both? Because, you know, you can call yourself a Christian you can grow up in church, you can go to church, you can spend your whole day, every day of your life in church and never experience the Spirit of God. And the result is this, is that we are lifeless. Without the Spirit of God, we're lifeless. We're dried up, like a prune. You ever met prune Christians, right? You ever met dried up Christians? Come on, you ever met dried up Christians? We all have. They're amazing. They're lovely. The best people to be around. Dried up Christians who there's no crack, there's no life, there's no realness, there's no authenticity. You know what I'm talking about? That's how the world views the church, mostly. All about do's and don'ts and rights and wrongs. There's no empathy. There's no mercy. There's no understanding. And I believe the word of God... We, we need to have it at the forefront, the center of our lives. It determines the truth that we hold on to, the, what is permissible, what, what is the direction of life. We need the Word and God front and center. But with just the Word and no Spirit, it's lifeless. There's no life. 
And nothing can grow there. It is so dry where there cannot be life. We, we need the word and the spirit. Likewise, you can be spiritual. You can be concerned and practice all things spiritual. But if you not, do not have the word and know the word, there is a void. With just the word, we are lifeless. And with just the spirit, we are formless. We were like a candle blowing in the wind and just a small gust of wind will extinguish that light. You can have all the spiritual desire in the world, but without the word, you do not have substance. Have you ever heard people say this? I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. You ever heard that? It's like the number one thing people love to say these days. I'm not religious, but I am spiritual. I have empathy for this rhetoric, this understanding because when they say I'm not religious they're thinking about dried up prunes right they're thinking about the Christians and the churches who are all word who are all legalistic who are so religious that there's no good about them that that that's what they're thinking about but here's the thing when we swing this way the answer is not to go the other way to say I'm not religious but I'm I am spiritual or I'm just spiritual or I'm all about spiritual is is I don't really rely on the truth. I'm all feelings over facts. I'm about whoever you want to be, whatever you want to believe, it's all good. What happens is this, we go from religious and egalistic to vague and fickle. Both are dangerous and detrimental to the church. We need the word of God and we need the spirit of God. I'm not saying to be religious. I am saying to be standing on the truth of God, knowing the truth and having your spirit open and alive. That's what it means to be a Christian. That's what it means. When we say, when we see both come together, the life-changing word of God and the life-giving spirit of God, revival takes place. With just the word, we are dry and with just the spirit, we are formless. I've been in many churches of both. I've seen many. I've been around. So many that they're all word and they're so dry. You're like, I don't know what, like this is, there's no life here. Likewise, I've been in places that are spiritually free, so spiritually free. You haven't got a clue what's going on and where's the form and what's happening and where is this going to be? Everyone's so free, there's no form. We need both. The life-changing word of God, the life-giving spirit of God. And I say, church, open arms, we want to be this church. This is what we endeavor to be like. This, the purpose of our church is life-giving, life-changing. Our mission, what we want to do is to build a life-giving church that reaches the nation of Ireland. What we want to see happen, our vision, is to see people experience life change through Jesus Christ. We want both. We want to be both and. We want to be central Christians. When the life-giving Spirit of God, the life-changing Word of God, revival takes place. Let me finish with this prophecy. Smith Wigglesworth, one of the most famous evangelists and prophets of the 20th century. He prophesied 90 years ago in 1936. He prophesied about the three waves of revival that would take place. And why I'm saying them, and I believe that this is a, a prophecy that will come to fulfillment, is because we've already seen two parts of the wave come to pass. He begins, during the next few decades, there will be two distinct moves of the Holy Spirit across the church. The first move will affect every church that is open to receive it and will be characterized by the restoration of the baptism and gifts of the Holy Spirit. This 
came to pass, and many church historians believe that this was the charismatic renewal in the Pentecostal movement that began in the 1960s and lasted for about 30 to 40 years. And what happened is there was a move of the Spirit through the traditional evangelical church where people, even in the Catholic tradition, the Church of Ireland tradition, even here in Ireland, what was happening, people were experiencing the Spirit of God out of nowhere. And it was known as the wave of the Spirit of God. The second wave, he says, the second move of the Holy Spirit was, will result in people leaving historic churches and planting new churches. The second wave, many believe, came in the form of the house church movement. And what happened is was kind of began more in the, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and early 2000s. And what happened is people began living the kind of traditional form of church and they began going to different homes and having Bible studies. And there were, yes, worship and community, but they were more focused on the preaching of, the hearing of, and the studying of the Word of God. There was like this fresh hunger, this fresh desire for God's Word. In fact, our church in Newbridge of Kildare started as a house group and it just grew and grew and became a church. Many Christians, maybe here and right now, or your parents became Christians during this time. The wave of the Spirit of God and this wave, the second move, was known as the wave of the Word of God. And we saw what happened as the wave of the Spirit of God and the wave of the move of God, but yet... We've not yet seen the great move that's been prophesied. Smith Wigglesworth continues. He says, in the duration of each of these moves, the people who are involved will say, this is a great revival. But the Lord says, no, neither is the great revival, but both are steps towards it. When the new church phase is on the wane, there will be evidence in the churches of something that has not been seen before. A coming together of those with an emphasis on the Word and those with an emphasis on the Spirit. When the Word and the Spirit come together, there will be the biggest move of the Holy Spirit that the nations and indeed the world has ever seen. It will mark the beginning of a revival that would eclipse anything that has been witnessed. The outpouring of God's Spirit will flow over from Ireland, South Dublin, originating in Clayton Hotel and then moving... <laughs> To a new building in Sandyford. Yeah. He said the UK, but look, it was 1936. He might have been a bit confused at that time. We'd only got our independence. He thought they were still part of the UK. We'll give him the benefit of the doubt, right? It will flow over the land and into the mainland Europe. And from there will begin a missionary move to the ends of the earth. The third wave. The great revival will happen when the life-changing Word of God and the life-giving Spirit of God come together. When we see within our church and within the church the foundation of the Word of God, the fluidity of the Spirit of God, we will experience freedom and favor like never before while experiencing the power and presence of God. And a vast army will rise up. Dry bones will form together. Dead bodies will experience life and the church will come alive. Revival is here. The Spirit of God is at work. Not only do I believe that we will see revival happen in our land and in our lifetime, I believe that we are beginning to see revival. 
you're beginning to see change, you're beginning to see shifting, you're beginning to see something different is happening that we've never seen happen before. Something is changing. Something is moving. Do you want to be at the end of the story when we all look back and say, wow, what an incredible story? Or do you want to be a part of the story? I remember what it was like. I sensed it. I felt it. I knew it. I believed it. So what does this mean for you and for me? What does this look like in our daily walk and daily lives? Well, firstly, it's to believe, to know, to understand revival is here. The Spirit of God is at work in our land, throughout open arms and throughout the Christian church around Ireland. All around Ireland. You can see it. You can hear it. You talk to people in, in Cork and in, in Wexford and in Waterford and in, in Derry and Galway and Limerick. It's happening. It's not just happening specifically in one church. It's happening through the church. But in open arms here, we're beginning to see something new. A hunger, a desire. Not just for church per se, but for community, for worship, for the word, for, for spirit. We're beginning to see the church grow and thrive. In the last 12 months, our church has grown by over 70% in Newbridge, Kildare, and here in South Dublin. We're gone from, from, from being a church coming out of the shadows Coming out of the backgrounds where you don't know whether to cough or to not cough. You don't know whether to be close to one another or hug each other together. We're, we're beginning to see something happening. We're a church that is growing, that is thriving, a community that's dynamic and vibrant. The Spirit of God is at work. But here's the second thing to know. The Spirit of God is at work within you. It's moving within you. Revival is here for you. He's about to do what you couldn't imagine possible and he's asking you to live by faith and not by sight. To hold on to his promise before it's come to pass. He's, he's calling you to believe. To, to stand in the valley and in my darkest, deepest day, I remember someone encouraged me to say, nothing grows on the mountaintop. Growth happens in the valley. In the valley. It's easy to speak and believe and prophesy when everything is going great and you're experiencing it. Thank you, Captain Obvious. Like we know that this is happening. It's a whole other thing to stand in it and believe and to gather your family, to gather your children. Say, so let me tell you about what's going to come to pass. Let me tell you what's going to happen. God is in the move. He is at work. He's going to unite us. He's going to fulfill us. He's going to equip us and empower us. The days that are ahead of us, we're going to see the unimaginable possible. But he's calling you to believe. I want to finish by asking you a question and challenge. What promises of God has he laid on your heart that he's calling you to prophesy? Speak life to. Proclaim and preach the word of God over your life, into you the promises, and, and pray and cry out, come Holy Spirit, breathe life into these promises. Bring them to life. You and only you, God, help me not to manufacture, to manipulate, to try and make it to happen, but God, that you would cause it to come to pass. What, what promises is he calling you to prophesy, 
to believe that the Spirit of God will breathe life into and you will stand in the gap and believe that his promise will come to pass. Hey, why don't you just close your eyes and bow your head for a moment. Let me ask you one last time. What promises of God has he laid on your heart? He's calling you to prophesy. Speak life to. He's calling you to say, come Holy Spirit, breathe in me. I'm not going to be focused and waiting so much so that waiting for the promise to happen that I let life pass me by. Now I'm going to believe that the promise will come to pass and I'm going to enjoy life in the here and now. What is it that rises up within your spirit? And I know that there could be you know, 52 different things, but what's the one thing they say, God, I'm just, this promise, I haven't yet seen it. The restoration of my family. The redemption of my past. Breakthrough mentally for me and what I'm just going through, the darkness, the, oh, the, cloudiness or from my heart to receive true forgiveness from my children to walk in the ways of the Lord from my job for me to be able to like put my hands to something that I know that is meaningful that is, that is work that I enjoy and it's good work for a home what is the promise He's calling you to believe that will come to pass.